Hey, well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and get us started with uh, a little thing. I think we'll have a few more folks logging on, but, um, uh, you know, each week I've been trying to send out an email and at the bottom I include what I call uh, home, uh, home remedies, just helpful links. So we're just not so um, drawn into the media narrative of what's going on. And uh, I've just tried to give you a different kind of diet, whether it be through podcasts or whether it be articles, uh, just so that we can kind of stay informed, but stay encouraged because the media narrative is based on ratings, which is based, I think, largely on fear. And so uh, there's some really good stuff out there, but it's not necessarily going to happen through your newsfeed. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I've just discipline myself to not go to my, you know, news outlets. Uh, but one of the things that I sent out a couple of weeks ago was this link. And I don't know, I assume many people are watching um, John Krasinski's uh, Some Good News. Um, he's got about an 18 minute thing. He's done three episodes now. It's super fun. I grabbed episode three and I just tried to whittle um, 18 minutes of inspiration and like feel good stories down into about six minutes. So I thought this would be a fun way to begin. Uh, it's called the, uh, some good news. So that's what, uh, we're, what I thought we could start with today. And it kind of segues into what I want to talk about um, uh, as we begin a new series. So let me just pop that up and screen share and we can begin there. You know what? It's okay if you've asked yourself every now and again, what is all this for? Because this week, we got a sneak peek at the answer. Though we are by no means out of the woods on this thing, we now know there's light at the end of the tunnel. This is what it looks like when you leave LIJ. COVID positive, discharge to And the survivors themselves seem to be having their own competition for the best one-liners. In Oregon, believed to be the world's oldest survivor of COVID-19, 104-year-old World War II veteran Bill Lapskies went all low-key confident when he said, I don't know, just went away. And in London, England, the award for friendliest neighbor goes to young Toby Marriott, who was brought up to always say hi to anyone who walks by. <laughs> Even if he has to pretend. Hi! Hi! Good morning! And pretending is no issue for this World War II naval pilot who makes it perfectly clear this party don't stop. In Ireland, Scott Dugan is gaining a ton of fans by projecting classic movies on a nearby building. He's also created an FM signal for his neighbors to listen to the movies and enjoy. 
And this next one, well, it speaks for itself. No, that's right. <laughs> so 24 hour shifts and sleepless nights. Our healthcare heroes were missing baseball too. Well, for more on that story, it is my honor to go now to my very own hometown healthcare heroes, the Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital COVID unit. Hi, guys. <laughs> I also have heard that you guys are Red Sox fans. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got a double pump from somebody. <laughs> a double pump. I know we're all missing baseball season, but that doesn't mean that I can't bring baseball to you. Your surprise is actually a surprise for me. He is a hero of mine, and I hope a hero of yours. Yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, David Ortiz. How you guys doing? Yes. The Red Sox are going to donate four tickets for life. What? Yes. You and everybody at Beth Israel. Yes. <laughs> Everyone in that room. So if you, if you don't mind, I'm going to meet you outside the hospital, okay? Love you guys. Love you. Love you. All right, so here's what's going to happen. This place is yours. The most special place in Boston has just been opened up to the most special people in Boston. That's you. Take the field, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! Oh, that's awesome. Look at the board. Look at the board. Hey, Boston, let's give it up for our heroes. Yeah. The governor of Massachusetts, the entire Red Sox team is saying thank you. Now here's the deal. I need you to do something not only for me, I need you to do it for your country, I need you to do it for baseball fans everywhere. Can you do that? All right, here we go. Throwing out the first pitch of the 2020 Major League Baseball season, the staff of Beth Israel Deaconess COVID unit. Here we go. You are so our heroes and you're, you're the most lovable, wonderful people. Thank you so much. I hope we gave you this much joy in the middle of all this. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for all the nurses and doctors that couldn't make it to Fenway, I have a special thank you for you too. This week, when they found out that we'd be honoring our healthcare heroes this episode, AT&T reached out and asked how they could help. Having no idea what I was talking about, I said, maybe you could cover the cell phone bills of every nurse and doctor in America for a month. Their response? How about three? Yeah, you heard that right. Every single nurse and doctor in this country, three months free. Now, I may not know much, but I do know what good news looks like. And AT&T, through FirstNet, their network dedicated solely to first responders, are offering to take care of our healthcare heroes in an unprecedented way. And that'll do it for our show this week. I'm John Krasinski. This is SGN asking you to remember that no matter how hard things get, there is always good in the world. But you know what? Don't take it from me. This wise young gentleman says it better than I ever could. See you next time. About a thing, cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Don't worry.
about a thing. Because everyone thinks it's going to be alright. Aww. Oh, doesn't that make you just want to get up and dance? There's some good news right there. I thought uh, for what I want to start uh, talking about, it's a chance for us to um, frame in a conversation as we go through uh, some scripture passages over the next few weeks about what it is for us to not only know the gospel, but to experience the gospel, knowing that the gospel itself means good news. But let's bring that a little closer to home. I just want to take a minute before we have a time of prayer together. Um, there's some good news happening in and around our own Mission Hills community in and through Austin, how we're not just taking the shelter in place um, uh, to the full extent, but trying to love some of our neighbors. Um, hey, Haley Overstreet, do you want to just give us a quick update on how uh, you had a new neighbor who is a single mom lose almost all uh, of her photography business, and last week you put together a photo opportunity for families to take advantage of. Can you just talk a little bit and give us some good news? Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, our neighbor next door, Kathleen, she's a photographer, and, and I, you probably all got my email, but um, she, she had lost all of her, her business um, this spring and, and likely summer, too, and with that, all of her income, and, um, and so she's been really stressed, and we're definitely not out of the woods, but uh, this past week, and on Monday as well, we actually still have a few slots left open on Monday if anyone wants to fill those, but, um, but she's been taking basically pictures in her front yard and, you know, kind of like little mini sessions, and um, in return, we're just asking for a donation, and I just said whatever you feel is fair um and then you know in in return she's gonna um you know edit and send um a link for being able um you know to get a picture and then get she's doing one picture as a part of the package but then if you want additional pictures if she took additional pictures um you have the ability to get those too but um she's i think that it's you know been exciting she's she like i said she's still a little stressed understandably so, um, but she has definitely had a little bit more of a um, kind of pep in her step. She's feeling supported. She's feeling loved like she's not in this by herself. So um, I, I hopefully it's going to help her at least a little bit. And she knows that, that, you know, there's people out there who care and who are there to help her out. And the neighborhood has really stepped up as well. And um, at the very least, we're getting her name out there so that when things do come back to normal, like, you know, people are aware of her and what she's doing so that um, hopefully it'll create future business as well. Oh, I, I love it. Uh, you know, I think it's theologically profound when we can love our neighbors in the most tangible and practical way. And oftentimes we define that as someone not right in our neighborhood, but here's a chance. And you guys are the new kids on the block having just moved there a few months ago. And what a splash uh, to, to, to make. Hey, Kathy Pavlovich, can you give us some good news? Your dad is recovering from a heart attack and is staying with you. Can you just kind of give a shout out and, and let us know how he's doing. Yeah, thanks. He is. He's, um, oh my gosh, he's been out of the hospital two and a half weeks now, uh, two and a half weeks. And yeah, he's doing good. He's still still with us. He's, I think he's going to go home tomorrow. Um, 
that he is recovered and taking it easy. And yeah, we've enjoyed having the quality time with him here yeah. since he got out of the hospital. Well, and I love the foresight to not leave him alone up near Waco, but when quarantine or shelter in place went into effect, he came and stayed with you only to have the heart attack in your home. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thank God for his provision and how he, he orchestrated that providentially. So that, that's just a beautiful uh, story to tell. Well, uh, I had a, a moment last week where uh, there's a friend that I found out uh, several weeks ago. I, I'd asked, I knew he was going to be shutting down his business, but uh, he has three young boys under the age of 10. And uh, he uh, was going across the street every day to collect uh, from to, to the elementary school to collect meals for his kids because they just didn't have enough groceries to feed his family. And so I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. And so I brought it up again. I was like, well, would a little grocery credit help? And he goes, oh my God, I just, I didn't want to ask again, but oh, it would, it would. And, and so uh, because of the, you know, our good neighbor fund and the support and generosity of, of this community, able to just bring him, uh, his family of five, um, some grocery, uh, H-E-B gift card for about $300 just to kind of make ends meet. Um, living in a rental home, not sure when uh, and how he's going to pay for all of this stuff, but it just gave him some breathing room. So there's good news happening around us too, and we don't even have a broadcast. Uh, but uh, I want to just spend a few moments in, in prayer together, and I want to bring up, um, uh, let's see, I want to bring up a slide, and I thought it would be nice if if, if you don't mind me just kind of calling on some of you uh, to, to pray uh, and lead us in this guided prayer time. Uh, I'm sorry. Can you all see that? Is that good? Nod? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you would just, uh, as, as I pick someone to read, and, and we can just, uh, um, why don't we just respond in red together after we read, and Hal, would you um, unmute your, um, your, your device, and then just, would you begin in that first paragraph together, and let's just begin a time of prayer together. O God, our Father, we remember at this time how your word became flesh and dwelt among us. We thank you that Jesus took our human body upon him so that we can need not despise or neglect or misuse the body since you made it your dwelling place. Fill us with your spirit. Hey, Joella, will you read that next paragraph together? We thank you that Jesus did a day's work like any other working man, that he knew the problem of living together in a family, that he knew the frustration and irritation of serving the public, that he had to earn a living and to face all the wearing routine of everyday work in life and living, and so clothed, clothed each other each common task with the glory. Together, let's pray. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For your Thank you, Lord. Hey, Matt Pavlovich, can you read that next part? We thank you that he shared in all happy social occasions, that he was at home weddings and at dinners and festivals in the homes of simple, ordinary people like ourselves. Grant that, may, grant that we may ever remember that in his unseen risen presence, he is a guest in every home. Together. Thank you. Hey, Nicholas, can you unmute and would you read that next part for us? Uh, help us know. Uh, nope. right we, think, yeah. um, we thank you that he knew what friendship means, that he had his own circle of friends who he wanted to be with him, that, that he knew too what it meant, what it means to be let down, to suffer from disloyalty and from the failure of love. Thank you. Angela, would you read that next one for us? Thank you that he too had to bear unfair criticism. <laughs> Pre prejudice. Prejudice, opposition, malicious, and deliberate misunderstanding. Thank you, Lord. Lord, your grace and truth. <laughs> hey, Gary, can you read that next line, one for us? Sure. We thank you that whatever happened to us, he has been there before, and that because he himself has gone through things, he is able to help those who are going through them. Thank you. And help us never to forget that he knows life because he lived life. And that he is with us at all times to enable us to live victoriously. This we ask for your love's sake. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some good news, and um, part of that is understanding um, uh, sorry uh, what the gospel means. And um, in 1971, there was a musical that was written with some controversy. About the same time, there was a second one. The, the musical that I'm referring to is one called Godspell. It was a musical structured around a series of parables based loosely around the Gospel of Matthew. Um, one came out around the same time called Jesus Christ Superstar. And both of them got rave reviews. Godspell was one that was at, actually written by a guy as a senior project at Carnegie Mellon University, and it was an off-off Broadway, but it had so much traction, they moved it to off-Broadway, but it ran for years. And rather than be resurrected, Jesus sort of dies in the finale. And the cast is directed, typically, to lift the body over their heads and walk through the audience uh, to, uh, at the end of the show. Now, 
over the years, there's been so much comment and criticism from people <clears throat> about the apparent lack of resurrection in the show. Now, keep in mind the era of that time. You had the church wrestling with a worldly position on rock and roll, and, and this was sort of scandalous. And then you're telling the Jesus story without the resurrection. And, and so Stephen Schwartz, who wrote this, said, some choose to view the curtain call in which Jesus appears as a symbolic sort of resurrection. Others point to the moment when the cast raised Jesus above their heads. But his point was this, whether, you, whether either view is valid, but most, both miss the point. And, and this is what I loved what he described. He said, Godspell is about the formation of a community which carries Jesus's teachings after he's gone. In other words, it's the effect Jesus has on others, which is the story of the show, not whether or not he himself was resurrected. And so most of us have grown up hearing with the idea of what it means to know the gospel. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the gospel has changed some of our attitudes or the gospel automatically changes some of our desires. In fact, in the Old English, the word God spell comes from two words, God meaning good and spell meaning that a story has power. Now, we tend to think of like a witch's spell or a wizard's spell, but we understand the idea of casting a spell as someone, uh, someone's words having power. And as Christ followers, more than just belief, I think what we're invited to is, is to operate under the power of good news. And so this is what the gospel means. But the question is, what is it that makes it so good news? Is it good news? Um, simply feel good stories of kindness and compassion and healing and generosity. Is the gospel simply Jesus's death created access to the presence of God, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now can live in us or that we're free from trying to tip the scales in favor to go to heaven by trying to be good enough? In a word, yes, all of the above. And over the next few weeks, I want to take a story-ended approach to the illustrate how the gospel changed people's lives in hopes that it can continue to change ours. And I want to frame in the gospel as inside out rather than outside in. I don't want to invite people into a life in Christ that just changes behaviors without actually impacting or interrupting the condition of our own heart. So you can believe, you can gain information, you can have an intellectual understanding and still not be changed. Spiritually, we can change our mind and miss the heart. So I want to talk about a story that might be super familiar to many of you, but I want to give some context around it. And it's the story of Zacchaeus when salvation came knocking to the door of his heart. Now, let me give you a little background about this place. Um, well, let me first read the passage, and then I'll paint a picture of what's going on. Um, you might want, rather than me flipping back and forth, you might want to just have your Bibles with you. Uh, I'd, I'd just rather read it for you. But if you have a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19 tells the story of Jesus entering Jericho, which is significant. Um, we typically read a city and don't think much of the context, but it has importance. 
This is the story of Zacchaeus. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. It wasn't his destination. He was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector. Chief tax collector, and most notably wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, and so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked at him, and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, because I want to stay at your house today. And so he came down, and at once he welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, which is like the equivalent of saying, he's gone to be the guest of one of our enemies. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. And Jesus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now, we, most people are familiar with this. If you grew up in any kind of Sunday school environment, this is a common story and you probably sang a song with it. But let me paint a little bit of background to give this a little substance for what it means for us today. Herod had a dynasty that he had created an elite ruling class. 80 to 90% were involved in agriculture and they were being taxed to the point of starvation and poverty mostly subsistence farming, but only enough to eat each day. And the city of Jericho was a resort community with summer or second homes for the elite. Okay, so Jesus comes walking into Club Med. This is a posh place. Um, the rich employed people to go out and collect taxes. These tax collectors were called Telones. They enabled the rich to get richer while the poor got poorer. And over the tax collector were arch Telones. What was, what was Zacchaeus? Chief tax collector. He was an arch Telones. And this is what, this is the, this way of life was a violation to what it meant to be a Jew. Jews, central to Jewish teaching was to live according to the law and the prophets. And the Torah instructed us how to live in harmony with God, harmony with each other, and harmony with our creation. And this was how God intended us all to live. So the question is, how do the masses feel about Jericho, the rich, and those who are employed by them? So, Clearly, no one likes a tax collector. But this was more than our typical IRS agent. Imagine a culture with a central belief in God, an understanding of what it meant to be in covenant relationship, in community with those who are Christ or who are followers of Yahweh, and a commonly understood way to live in harmony. And now, one of your own who knows better says to heck with it. It's every man for themselves. And he gets in bed with Rome. And he gets in bed with the, the ruling elite class. What I think is interesting about this passage is we don't know the specifics of their conversation at dinner. 
I don't think Jesus sat at dinner trying to persuade Zacchaeus to change or to be a better Jewish citizen. But what we do know is that Jesus picked him of all Jewish people out of the crowd with a gesture of hospitality. Now, if you've been around Mission Hills for a while, we talk about a rhythm of hospitality, which simply says our rhythm of hospitality is in some cases making room for others. Remember, community has a double-edged sword. We all want a history with each other, but the longer we're together, the harder it is for new people to access what we enjoy. So we need to be disciplined to continue to invite and make room for others. But the second part of hospitality is also, and this is hard for Americans who value independence and individualism, learning to receive from others. But in either case, we're trying to figure out who is it that God has prepared in advance. <clears throat> and so in this case, Jesus does both. He not only makes room, he receives. And whether we're on the giving or the receiving acts of kindness, of grace, of someone's influence, <clears throat> we try to figure out who God has prepared for us. Now, Zacchaeus knew his own reputation. He didn't need to really be confronted. But the simple act of sharing a meal invited God's presence, which I think is what softened his heart. See, the poor wouldn't have taken to it as Jesus started hanging out with a wealthy sinner responsible for making this economic gap way worse. Yet Jesus suggests that salvation has come to this house because Jesus is a double entendre. Jesus' name is the word, the name we get today, Joshua, which literally translates God saves. So when Jesus says salvation has come to this house, he's not only saying Jesus has come to your crib, he's also saying this guy has had such a pivot, a change of heart. Not because of right doctrine, not because he recited a prayer, not because of anything else other than a simple conviction that started to turn from within. Now it goes a step further. It's one thing to say, all right, you caught me. I'm wrong. I feel kind of bad. I'll start acting different. But Zacchaeus goes a step further. Now, contextually, this is what in their culture it meant. When a person confessed to fraud and made voluntary restu restitution, the Torah required them to return amount uh, stolen plus 20%. That was out of Leviticus chapter five. Now, an apprehended thief had to pay the victim double. But a man stealing what is essential and showing no pity was required to pay it back fourfold. Zacchaeus, fully repentant, willing to turn, not only acknowledge the heartlessness and the cruelty of his behavior, but voluntarily imposed upon himself the whole restitution required by the Torah for such acts. This was a complete change of heart. So this is one man's story about walking in to good news, and it cost him a lot but he also gained a lot. Now, think about this. That 10 to 20%, if you're rich and your head tax collector 
changes his tune and starts giving stuff away, how do you feel? Remember, there's not tax write-offs in terms of getting some incentive. Generosity doesn't help your self-interest. And, and this is political, economic, and a social revolution that's unfolding. And the whole class system is threatened because it creates an even playing field. Many argue this is ultimately what got Jesus killed because it loosened the economic spiritual grips of the rich. See, what the gospel does, what the good news is, is that it invites us to kind of turn over a new leaf. It invites us to turn towards those in need. It's inviting us to turn away from shame, from fear and regret. It's not simply about adding God to our life, but saying yes to Jesus. It, it's our belief in God that moves us towards righteousness. Righteousness, that's an interesting word. Um, most of us, I don't think in terms of being righteous for fear of being called out as a, a, a hypocrite. But what's interesting is the Hebrew word for righteousness is sadaka, which also translates to charity. So when you and I offer our gifts to the church, to meet needs, to our good neighbor fund, it's, it's saying his righteousness endures forever. It's important to point out that a person's giving doesn't make him or her righteous. Rather, it's our faith in God who meets needs through us that makes us righteous. I just want to highlight a couple of things about the nature of giving and generosity as one of our uh, uh, rhythms. See, I believe that generosity is completely unrelated to income and wealth. Let me, let me say that. Generosity, the act of giving, is unrelated to income and wealth. It's a stewardship issue. It's about seeing our time, our talents, and our treasure as a sacred trust. That God is ultimately the source of all of it. So he's looking for us to be good stewards in how we dole it out, in how we uh, leverage it for his benefit. Secondly, I would say generosity is tangible evidence of one's actual love for God. Now, love for God is not unlike our love for children. And if you're a parent, you pretty much spare no expense, no amount of time, no lack of effort for love's sake. And it's the same when it comes to being a child of God. And then thirdly, I would just simply say, God provides the means in which for people to give. I like to think of it as not equal gift, but equal sacrifice. Being in community isn't just finding your people. It's where you also learn to find your contribution. That's why I like to describe church as a family of faith. So I just want to invite you now, I, if you would just pray with me, I want to just spend a few moments in prayer together. And so if you would just kind of bow your head and, and um, maybe close your eyes, whatever it works, just to kind of tune out some of the, maybe the distractions that are going on uh, around you, but just listen to the sound uh, of my voice. And I want you to just kind of examine your own hearts as we pray. God, I just pray that you would, um, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, speak to us in a really tender but personal way. I pray that you would bring a kind of a spirit of revelation. Pray that your Holy Spirit would bring us uh, a kind of um, nudge. 
I would simply ask, can you think of anyone who's shown an interest in you? Has there been someone this week, this month, during this quarantine, that has shown some kind of kindness, favors, advice seeking, or maybe even their own vulnerability? Is there someone that God brings to mind when you find yourself in prayer? in a neighborhood or an office crowd? Is there someone God's invited you to pick out of a crowd? Has there been this person of peace that God's inviting you to figure out, oh my gosh, you've prepared them for me? Then the question is, what's the next step? God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts about the people that you've already prepared in advance and how we can have a holy visitation in some profound way, in some tangible way. We recognize that you are preparing hearts all around us in everyday sittings to demonstrate your care and compassion. The second question I'd ask you is, what in your life needs saving? Our health? our finances, our heart, our thought life, our stuff, our paycheck, our desires, your past, skill set, your temper, ambition. What in your life needs good news? What in your life would benefit from turning Is there something that you might just consider naming so that you could steward it better, surrender it more? God, as always, we invite the ministry of your Holy Spirit to have your rule and have your reign, have your will and have your way. I pray that there would just be a kind of hunger, an increasing awareness of your presence and a desire to just seek after it. Help us to trust you more as we lay down our insecurities and our fears, as we lay down our past and our regrets. I pray that you would help us find salvation in ever increasing ways, not once and for all, but we would walk in the resurrection newness of life. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.